and we are alive. It's day 150-something in lockdown, and I can't help but think I literally spend all my time in a box. You know, my room's a box, my car's a box, the buildings I visit are bigger boxes. Hell, you know, the streets and the outdoor places, they're just open boxes. I've been staying pretty locked down during this whole pandemic, and for the most part, I'm okay with it. I guess something that this whole isolation period has really done for me is it's just given me some more perspective on breaking down what I do every day and thinking about those things that I used to look forward to but can't do much of right now. And at the beginning when I really wasn't seeing anyone, I, I, I thought about what it must feel like to be in prison. In prison, you literally stay in a room and only go outside for exercise. And I'd say my circumstances was probably like the nicest prison you could be sent to. For me, I wake up, work at my desk from 9 to 6, eat, read the news, watch some videos, get some exercise, go back to sleep. And in the blank spaces, I try to reflect and consider what my next moves will be in the future. I, I consider my relationships and think about how others are doing and what they're up to and have whatever other thoughts creep in. Now, this could sound depressing, but it's not really. I'm secure. I still have my job. I have stable relationships. I'm comfortable. And unlike many others during these times, I'm fortunate. But as the average 26-year-old, I'm starting to see where this whole quarter and midlife crisis thing starts from. In the news, we hear a lot about mental health concerns during quarantine, especially being in Los Angeles, which has had more strict lockdowns. And from what I could tell, I think most people are doing pretty well and have adapted for the most part. If anything, you know... People are resilient, and we figure out ways to continue wanting to wake up. But with the new conditions of COVID-19, I think it's a good time to reflect on what society offers us in terms of living a good life and what that even means. Today, I'll go through some personal reflections on mental health and consider the options that people tell us we have when fighting back that familiar darkness that always seems to linger in the shadows, waiting to butt its ugly head again. It's the first world problem, and this is the observation theory. Let's get it. Because I realized that, you know, everything's just okay. No like peaks and valleys. There are peaks, there are valleys, but they're all kind of carved and smoothed out and it feels like a low level of despair you live in, where you're not getting any answers, but you're living okay. And you can smile at the office, you know? But it's, it's a low level of despair. So we've been hearing in the news and our discussions with each other about this talk around mental health. And the CDC released findings from a survey about mental health topics like substance abuse and suicidal thoughts that was done earlier this year from June to April. Now, this was a survey study, so it's not perfect, but what the study found was that 41% of the respondents reported at least having one adverse mental or behavioral health condition during this period. So just under half of Americans reported some degree of mental health problem. Now, non-statistically speaking, how you determine whether a person is sad, depressed, or whatever they may be facing is another thing. But I think for the, for the most part, we get, we get the picture, right? And I'd say most of the people I'm around have had some sort of quote-unquote condition up to this point in their lives. 
And we've all probably come up with some of the creative ways to deal with these problems. And, you know, the problems I'm talking about are outside the, you know, traumatic, um, you know, physical conditions that someone may feel, um, and more just kind of generally about mental health. So in the study, compared to the same period last year, anxiety disorders was up approximately three times, and depressive disorders was up by four times. The findings also showed that these problems were greater in young adults, Hispanic and black people, essential workers, those taking care of the elderly at home, and those receiving treatment for pre-existing conditions. And this topic of mental health isn't a new one. Mental health comes up a lot as related to our social media, the millennials, marginalized communities, unfulfilling careers, or whatever else it might be. And I think, at least for me, I think the pandemic has really kind of brought up this question around mental health and happiness kind of in a new light. And it's interesting to think about, especially when I don't have the same resources or things for coping with the dullness of daily life. And it's again, this constant search for meaning. And it's hard because we can't fill the voids anymore with, you know, the things that we're used to, the clubs, the bars, vacations, events, outdoor stuff. Sure, we can do some of it still, depending where you're at or what your risk tolerance is. But generally, these options have become more limited. I think because we've lost a lot of the things that we're normally able to do, it's put into perspective just how important those things are. And you may jump to the conclusion that Yes, these are really important, but what I found is really there's less value in these things than I thought. For some, people might think, yeah, these things are super important, hanging out with friends, going on trips. For me at least, I think it's been broken down a little bit further in that, yes, these things are important, but in some ways they're really superficial. So for example, I love drinking and going out. And I guess what I realized is that it's not just the drinking and socializing part I liked, but it was more about this kind of superficial, surface-level aspect of sharing updates with people in my life that was more important than just kind of connecting and socializing and drinking. Don't get me wrong, I miss my friends, I miss socializing, and it's super important. But maybe something I haven't considered was the value I attained from socializing was less about connection and more about validation. So what I've learned is that I'm extremely externally motivated. And I think most people are, but maybe won't admit to it completely. I know I usually wouldn't. I mean, when I've pushed myself to do certain things, I did no internet and a bunch of other things for three months. Uh, In April, I ran 80 miles in a month, which was a lot for me. These were all things that I told myself I was doing for me. It was something that made me feel good about myself. It was good for my discipline and good for my health. It was self-improvement. I think that there's this kind of weird paradox in society that We know that chasing money, fame, and success doesn't lead to happiness, but yet we somehow can't apply that in our own lives. I think that for young people like myself, we're maybe not chasing those things, but what we are chasing is respect and power and influence among our peer groups. And to access that, we need the things that we're, you know, we know doesn't lead to happiness. We need money, we need popularity, we need knowledge, wisdom, success. We like to believe we're exceptional at some of the things that we do, and if we aren't exceptional in at least one way, we aren't validated fully. In the inner thoughts, we want people to think we're more active, more thoughtful, more driven, more disciplined, more enlightened in some way. You know, we all hate working a lot of hours, but at the same time, we still love to tell others how much we've worked and just how miserable it is. Maybe it's for sympathy, or maybe it's because in some ways we're portraying to someone that, hey, I'm doing something that you aren't. Or look, 
I'm unusual. These, these are the things that are super important to our egos. And it's hard to separate from them because this is an ego-driven and individualistic society. This is from Josh Radner, who plays Ted Mosby on How I Met Your Mother. When How I Met Your Mother first went on the air, I ran into an actress that I uh, knew, and she said, are you just like so happy all the time? And I remember thinking, does she really think that when CBS picked up the show, it left me with an inability to feel anything other than unbridled joy? But the joke was on me because I kind of thought it would. I had bought into the not uncommon notion that when I taste success, when I get over there, then I'll be happy. Now, how the hell does this relate to mental health and COVID-19? Well, the mental health I'm talking about today, we're not talking about the more severe cases of trauma or physical imbalances or these other things that are a little bit more well-defined. What I'm talking about is the first world, modern condition, where all of us experience some form of the grinding and wailing of the thank God it's Friday culture. And there's two areas I think we can point out. The first is a feeling of loneliness or not relating to others. And the second is a feeling of no meaning or purpose that all the things we do just allow us to get by. Now, if you're anything like me, you've probably found a bunch of speaker and motivational coaches on the internet that either have the solution or have identified the problem in a way that we can react to. And it might sound something like this. In people's lives, there's only maybe a half dozen, seven, eight categories that really matter. Most people, you know, they major in minor things. They focus on stuff that doesn't matter. They know more about this celebrity going in and out of rehab than they do about their own personal development. But I look at and say, if you look at your body, without that, everything else is out the door. You don't want to be richest man in the graveyard. That's not going to do it. If there is energy, if there's vitality, if there's strength, it's going to show up in your relationship. It's going to show up in your business, show up in your life. That's an area you got to master. You can't dabble. It's too important. So this is your brain. And this is your brain on motivational videos from Tony Robbins. Now... I've watched a lot of these type of videos, the David Goggins, Gary V's, the Simon Sinek's. I've binged them and really they make me feel good. I feel recharged with a sense of purpose. And I try to apply some of the concepts in my life. But I think what happens is that most of the principles kind of end up falling short in some way eventually. And the prescriptions and solutions, while they're sort of supposed to be long-term, they end up kind of being short-term and don't really provide any deeper understanding of what seems like the pointlessness of daily life. Generally, these are the kind of solutions you get, right? Focus on exercise. You gotta focus on goals. Focus on relationships. Focus on mindfulness. Focus on helping strangers. Now, these are definitely things that are beneficial, but they can start to feel meaningless at some point because I think in some ways, they're all self-serving and don't paint a deeper meaning to life other than mastering a few skills or getting outside a little bit more often. Now, that might be a really good purpose of life, but to me, it feels a bit lacking because, you know, these are things that could be taken away from you depending on your health or your situation, or if you're in a pandemic, for instance. So what does having good goals, good virtues, and self-discipline really mean in the grand scheme of life? I know that all these solutions are, are, are good. They're attempting to do something for you. It's what leads people to do yoga, meditate, join clubs, volunteer, start a routine, and so on. But what's the purpose of it, any of it? We talk about goals, but we need to set new ones after achieving them. We talk about building healthier relationships, but we also watch porn on the regular. We talk about mindfulness, but we still find it hard to find any real truth in the world. We talk about charity, 
but we're scared when the homeless person walks into the store and is a little too close for comfort. We talk about meaning, but we constantly find a world and news that constantly lacks it. Okay, so what am I getting at here? I think there's a reason that so many people fall in this broad spectrum of mental health issues. We all face this sort of perpetual wanting and wanting for more. New goals, new missions, new jobs, new relationships, new this, new that. And these things satisfy us for a little longer before we move on to the next thing. We gain a little insight, find ourselves lost again, and pick up the next thing. But what I think the quarantine has really taught me that is in the past, I really placed so much meaning and value into these trips, social events, concerts, and all these other things because they just take me out of my daily routine and they create new patterns for myself. And now that it's harder to break out of those patterns, it can feel like it's, it's hard to really be excited about life because the things I'm looking forward to are just different versions of the same things I've always done. A different trip, a different concert, a different bar, a different hobby, a different skill. And then my future problems are just different versions of the same problems I've always had. I want more activities, more security, more respect, more influence, more skills. I think we put a lot of value into activities, like with self-improvement, that really are beneficial, and they're things that I'll keep doing. But in reality, none of it really helps me get a better answer at the true purpose and meaning for my life. And this feels especially true during COVID-19. Maybe I don't understand because I haven't started a family or I haven't found my calling or whatever else, whatever else it is we like to tell everyone that we've been doing. But I think what I feel is a mild case of this bigger problem that so many young people and those at the fringes of society are dealing with. And we find a lot of different short-term solutions, which in the end never really satisfy our appetites. And our appetites are only getting bigger. It's like I find myself at the bar over and over again, hoping something new and interesting will happen, or that the girl across the table will notice me this time. And if I was a good content creator, I'd probably give you some answer or five steps to find your purpose in life. Call me a cynic because I don't have an answer for you, and I'm probably trying the same things you're trying. But maybe what's happening is that nowadays, we've created gods of ourselves, and that inside our own minds, we can truly find the answers to life if we only keep trying and experience more and more. And that the true meaning to our life is a matter of what we judge as worthy and good. And in the end, it will all go black. And we'll look back and be satisfied with all the things that we've done for ourselves. This is The Observation Theory, and thanks for listening.